they are leopards and pumas in Britain. Yes, I suppose because we're an island, they've got no way off. Yeah, they're in our country. They're here to stay. Seeing is believing, and I have no proof of what I saw that day other than what I can describe. It was huge. It was like the weightlifter of cats. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome. For this show, we are looking at cases in Hertfordshire. That's the area immediately north of London, and it's a surprisingly busy county for big cat reports. One person who's had three encounters and managed to get a photo on one of them is Laura, and we'll be talking about the general area of mid-north Hertfordshire, where Laura is based. So Laura, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great, thanks for having me. Thank you. And I know there's a great time difference between some of the sightings, but take us through the first one, if you would. Okay, so the first encounter I had was 2001. I was about 10 and I was with my mum and we were just walking up the road. We live somewhere quite rural. The fields had just been cut, so none of the crops were particularly high. It was eight or nine at night in the summer and we just spotted this thing in the distance. It was a large, very dark creature and it was crouched down and we were kind of looking at it and trying to work out what on earth this was. We see wildlife all the time. I know what a deer looks like. I know what a muntjac looks like. Yeah, we didn't know what this thing was. So my mum clapped her hands a few times and we saw this thing jump up and start to run off. And as it ran, it sort of bounded and its tail just kind of flipped up in this really like snake-like motion. I mean, it was unmistakable. It was a cat. There was nothing else that could be. How did you judge the scale? How did you know what size it was? You just tell it was huge. It was maybe like, it was like halfway down this field. If it had been a domestic cat, you wouldn't have spotted it, basically. I mean, we just looked at each other and kind of exchanged a wide-eyed glance. And she kind of said to me, Laura, what do you think that was? And I was like, that looked like a big cat, mum. And then we were just very shocked and very quiet <laughs> for a bit. Got home and no one else believed us. Can you give us as close a description of it as you can, as you could remember? So as well as I can remember, it was very large. It was very muscular. It had those sort of sloping shoulders and it was black for sure. It wasn't close enough that I could get like all of the features. I used to get taken to the zoo. I know what a big cat looks like. It was a big cat. It was a panther, 100%. And the tail, did you get any kind of good view of the tail and the length of the tail, anything like that? Yeah, the tail was so super long. Like I said, it kind of like flicked out. Like the tail was nearly as long as the body. And yeah, when it kind of bounded off, it did that really like telltale flicking, snaky, like S-shaped movement out behind it. What do you think it was doing before you came along? I mean, it looked like it was crouched down watching something, but I don't know what it would have been watching. It was quite out in the open. At the age of 10, what kind of impression did this have on you? Oh, it's fantastic. It's very excited. <laughs> when you're not expecting something, it was more just like, I have no idea what that is. But as soon as we saw it move, 
there was no knowledge of sightings in the area. Did, did you then discuss it with anybody else or did your mother discuss it with anybody else and find out there had been local reports? Before then, it wasn't really a talking point because we assumed it wasn't a thing. And then after we saw that, I think mum then spoke to like the local gamekeeper who didn't outright say, oh yeah, there's definitely big cats in the area, but good enough said that. <laughs> Implied it heavily. Yeah, very knowing glances and sort of made a comment about them having like dens in the area and stuff. And I mean, these guys go out lamping and like, they're really out in the countryside. I think I see a lot of stuff, but they're out all the time at all different hours as well. Once you had this encounter and your mum had discussed it with other people who implied there might be Black Panthers around, did you and your mum look on the internet or look in reference books about Black Panthers? Oh, yeah, definitely, because most people that we spoke to about it didn't believe us, so you've got to get that confirmation, don't you? (laughs) Wanted to make sure we weren't mad, but, I mean, both of us saw it, so... It looks like there's been sighted things in the UK for absolutely years, all over the place. Yeah. Again, you didn't know that beforehand, and then it made you swat up on all of that. Yes, exactly. They did mention offhand to one of my friends who also lives just a couple of villages away, again, very rural, North Hearts. He even said he'd, like, followed mother and two cubs once. Him and his dad had been, like, walking out in the fields. You believed him, did you? Yeah, absolutely. He's a really close friend. I think he's a very credible person. I don't see why he would have any reason to make that up. And those were black ones, were they? Yeah. Okay. So eight or nine years later, was it the next time? Yeah, but almost exactly the same spot. Good grief. And you got a photo. So take us all through it. What happened? I was just going up for a walk up to the farm to feed the horses about a mile up the road from me I was on the same stretch of road that me and my mum were on the first time we saw the cat since seeing the cat the first time I've always kind of had my senses up I've kind of always been trying to see it again yeah I just kind of turned the corner and there was something large dark walking along the field in front of me and for whatever reason my instinct was not to move away from the large predator it was to go towards it with my camera And I managed to get a photo of it sat down, again, looking into the same area, basically. But it did sense me and it ran away very quickly. But I did get the photo. (laughs) So you got it sitting down. How long was that encounter for and how long did it sit down for? I reckon that was maybe about a minute or two. I did kind of stalk it. It was maybe sat down for, for 30 seconds. I think it was kind of walking in front of me for a bit, sat down. I managed to get a photo and then and then it heard me and it ran off very quickly. Gosh. And was that the photo with a digital camera or was it with your mobile phone camera? Oh, it was with my phone, I think. Yeah. Well, you had very good because, as you'll know, you know it's um, problematic, the issue of uh, where's the photo for the witness reports, but you managed to get one. But you did stalk it. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to... I didn't want to get, like, a blurry photo. I didn't want to get, like, a one of these videos of people walking up to things and it's really, really shaky and you can't make out anything. I mean, this is, you know, 10 years ago, so phone cameras weren't incredible back then, but I got up as close as I could to it whilst with my camera on it. Yeah. Did you zoom in? 
Yeah, I did. And did it pixelate and go all blurry uh, more and, and lose the definition? Yeah, I've never had particularly good phone cameras, but it is what it is. Did you just take the one? I'm sure I took more, but I don't know that I will have any of them anymore. It's sitting sphinx-like, and you can see certainly see the tail. Well, well done. And did you hide, or did you just be quiet before it noticed you? Oh, I was just trying to be quiet. I wasn't hiding. Mm. I don't think it would have done anything. I mean, the first one ran away. I wasn't feeling fearful. I was just feeling very excited that I might see another one. In terms of the size and scale compared to the first one, do you think it was the same one, or do you think it was a very similar one, or do you not know? It definitely wasn't the same. Definitely not the same. I think it was maybe maybe two-thirds of the size of the first one, but this is, you know, comparison like 10 years apart or whatever. Yeah. It's not going to be too reliable but this one looked a lot more slight in builds and it had quite large tufty ears actually which was from much more of a distance did look very much just like a black panther yeah um this one i'm not entirely sure did you do any checking up on on google images or reference books or anything yeah we have like my mum's always kind of thought maybe it was some kind of like hybrid if that's even possible i wouldn't know but i am aware that other people have seen similar big cats yeah what about the tail can you describe the tail i mean often the photo it looked a long tail but you tell us oh it's a very long tail yeah same in terms of the first one really long tail did the whole flicking thing curled it the whole way around its body as well i think someone said to me are you sure it wasn't a deer are you sure it wasn't a labrador and it's like that's not how either of those animals sit um no (laughs) and they don't have tails like that no okay wow that is interesting because i was going to start saying possibly a black serval you might have looked at servals oh maybe yeah but obviously they don't have tails like like the one you've described so the previous one the first one presumably because you're only 10 you can't remember the ears and the distance i mean leopards have got rounded ears I wouldn't have been able to see the ears the first time. It was really far down a field. The second one that you photographed did not have rounded ears, you don't think? No, it had quite pointy ears. Okay, and when it went off, what did it do? Same kind of thing, bounded off, that really like bouncy, snaky motion, very quick, disappeared so quickly. And both exactly the same tone, but both black, were they? Yeah. I'd say the second one was actually a little bit lighter, potentially. Okay. No texture or mottling or shading at all? Not that I could see, but it was it was quite dusky at that point. Okay. What do you think it was doing when you encountered it? I think it was just wandering about, you know? Like, I, I kind of walked up to it from behind and it was just walking along a field and then it just sat down. It didn't look like it was stalking anything. It kind of just looked like it was having a little walk and then sitting down (laughs) okay so it didn't look that purposeful no it wasn't stalking anything i was the one doing the stalking that time okay (laughs) yeah what were your emotions oh just so pumped (laughs) just Hmm. so excited i thought it was great because you're always you see something like that and you kind of doubt yourself you think it was a fluke and you get so much doubt from other people around you and being able to see it again, have my camera on me, you know, get that confirmation was great. 
and then you scaled it, didn't you? Can you tell us about doing the scale uh, reference? You, you did what we actually always talk about on this podcast and what I've talked about in my book. Nobody had suggested it to you. You just felt it was an appropriate thing to do. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I won't take credit for the scale. I think it was probably my mum's idea. She was like, we need to go take something out with us that is the same size of a cat and we need to put it in about the spot that it was sat she was on this immediately it was probably like the next night or the night afterwards just to show and I mean on the scale photo we've got like this little husky toy or something that is the same height as a domestic cat and like even just the the remnants of the crops in the field kind of go halfway up onto it it's just completely different size but yet the the cat that you saw is very dominant above the stubble yeah you can see the whole thing you worked out the height from it didn't you You'd got the photo, so you'd proved to yourselves that it was the scale that you thought it was. What did you do with it next? Did you want to show it to anybody? I just posted it on my old Facebook account, to be honest, just to show my friends that had maybe been doubting me, just as a told you so type thing. Um, and actually, I had a few friends that lived really nearby where I'd taken that photo as well, so I thought that would be nice to show them. But I'm not really too keen on sending it out to like the mercury or whatever like I don't really want that going out public because where I live there's quite a lot of people that like to go shooting and like to go hunting and probably really relish the opportunity to go out and try and find something like that and I, I want them to be safe. Yeah so what did your friends say what was the reaction you got from your friends when they saw it? still a lot of doubting actually still a lot of people going are you sure it wasn't a lab are you sure it wasn't deer? And I mean, these are all people that have kind of lived in towns their whole lives. So maybe they don't see as much wildlife as I have. Some people kind of believe me, but I think a lot of this is, is you have to see it to believe it, really. It's sitting down with a curved long tail, so can't be a deer, really, can it? Exactly. <laughs> Did it show you how challenging it is to get a decent photo? Because you had a clear view of it. What kind of distance would you say it was? 50 metres, 30 metres? Yeah, I reckon about 50 metres. I mean, I was zoomed in. These things are like incredibly sensory creatures. They can tell what's around them at all times. That's their whole deal. It's going to be really, really hard to sneak up on something like that with a really decent lens and actually get a really high definition photo. Having said that, had you had a long lens, I think you would have done it. Like a dream. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so did that affect your use of the countryside when you went walking or jogging or going visit local horses? Did it affect your emotions when you went walking? I mean, at that point, I already knew that it was out there, but it was also quite nice to know that it wasn't just a one-time thing and it, or several of them, do kind of pass through the area. Mm. It didn't make me on edge. I don't think they would ever try and hurt a human I don't think that's of any interest to them if I'm walking around the countryside I've usually got at least one dog with me as well at the very least they would like alert to it and kind of stay by my side it's just quite exciting to know that there's more stuff out there really and that you could see it again yeah you didn't have a dog with you at that time did you when you got the photo no didn't have a dog with me when I took the photo I think when you've got the dogs with you actually it's probably more difficult because they're my dogs of spring is they're like all over the place. They'll make loads of noise and they smell like 
I'm sure a cat would get out of the way very quickly if, if the dogs were with us. Yeah. And you'd want them back on the lead, presumably, if you saw it. That would be your priority. Yeah. Okay. And then there was another sighting. When was that? It was another sighting. I'm going to say it was maybe three years after that last one. So maybe when I was like 21. This was actually really near a main road. And it was about 4pm because I just picked my little sister up from school. We just turned off the main road like into the village. Sort of come down this hill and there's two fields on either side. And on one side, I mean, you notice it. It's like a huge black thing. I did initially think, oh, is that like a bin bag or something? And then I drove past it and my peripheral vision just kind of like, the alarm went up. It was like, no, 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 that was, you need to go back and check out what that was because that was shaped like a huge cat. So I kind of reversed up the hill, stopped the car, and it was just sat in at the trees, just kind of sitting, again, just sitting up watching watching the road, really. It looked like the kind of statues that people get made to go out their front gates, you know, like so cool, so like regal, like beautiful. I got my sister to take a photo, but I think her phone died quite soon afterwards. So unfortunately, we don't have that. That would have been a really good photo as well. So we were actually quite close to that one, which is a real shame. Did you actually see the photo of that or did it? Did the phone die without giving it up? I told my sister to take it. I think she maybe showed it to me at the time and I think my mum was trying to get a copy of it for ages. But I don't know that my sister was really that interested in it, so she never really bothered. She's in trouble. Yeah. How far away was it when you took the picture? I'm going to say it was like 25 metres. Fairly close. So close. What did it do when you were there? Did it react at all? It didn't really do anything. I didn't really want to spook it because we were so close to the main road. I mean, obviously, they're going to be road smart. I wasn't expecting it to, like, run off into traffic or whatever, but I just thought I didn't really want to disturb it. At this point, I'd already seen enough. I kind of wanted to leave it alone, but I should have gotten out and taken the photo myself. I do really regret that. And can you describe it? This was much more similar to the first one that I saw, but such a long time apart, like 15 years apart almost, that I don't think it's going to be the same cat. But this was like standard Black Panther sat upright, very tall, very muscular, uh, like very black, plush, strong shoulders, long tail curled round its feet, just like sat sort of in the verge next to the trees watching the traffic. What kind of scale? I'd say this is easily like sat down probably like three feet off the ground could easily kill a deer basically easily yes and i have a good anecdote about that actually yeah well we'll come on to that in a minute so it was definitely different from the second one that you photographed the second one looked a lot slimmer so it may have just been like a juvenile that was like developing in a weird awkward stage i don't know but then the ears did seem quite pointy yeah did you see the ears well on the third one? Yeah, rounded. Did anything else stand out about it? And what condition did it look in? It was very shiny and very gorgeous, to be honest. It looked like it was doing very well. Okay, and perfectly wild. Yeah. Okay, and what did your sister think? She's just not really that interested in it. She's not got amazing eyesight as well, so she was just like, yeah, I guess it was that, but 
I don't know. Like, okay. <laughs> Just shows you, doesn't it? Not everybody's that bothered. Yeah. And I mean, she's training to become a vet. She's going to be a vet soon. So I'd expect that she'd be really interested by this, but apparently not. Okay, like my daughter, who is just finishing her training, and she's very interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, so you now had three. Could you ever believe you'd have three sightings of large black deer-killing cats in Hertfordshire? No, not at all. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm praying for more, to be honest. <laughs> Do you go out looking or does it, well, if it happens, it happens? If I go out looking, I never find. And it's only ever been the times that it's been the furthest from my mind that I seem to come into contact with them. So I'm trying to practice detachment. <laughs> Reverse psychology and everything, yeah. Yeah. I gather from your mother's email explaining the whole background to this that you then did start, see, especially in you, started networking and talking even more with people locally. And you got yeah. more and more reports and people verifying that they'd seen them too or knew about them. So can you tell us about some of that? What did you hear along the grapevine? So I would say the best one is, I think we were at like my uncle's birthday party. There was a woman there who works at like a wildlife reserve. And she was saying that, her office was like occasionally in a porter cabin and very occasionally they would find like deer carcasses up on top of these. On the roof? Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> what could do that? That's literally only a big cat. Yes. They like getting on flat roofs. Yeah. Very interesting. They never heard one on the top. So that's clearly been a cat that's been bringing up its dinner so it can hang out and eat it up there. Gosh, did they take a photo of any of those? I don't know about a photo. I only met this woman once. How do you know there's a dead... I suppose the smell. They would have investigated the smell on the roof, perhaps. Yeah, I'm not sure how they noticed that. I don't know if maybe like it was a hilly area, so you could maybe have seen it from some distance or whatever, but yeah. How interesting. Yeah, and what about other sightings? You did get other people's sightings then, didn't you? Yeah, I've had a few people... I think my mum's friends from Zimbabwe, so she just knows what big cats look like. And she kind of lives three, four miles from us. She's seen them about. Gamekeeper has seen them. And people keep it under wraps a bit. A lot of people just don't really want to believe you and might think you're a bit odd or might, you know, want to take the piss out of you a bit if mm. you, you come out and just say this stuff. I think it can put you in a really vulnerable position to be really honest about that. So you really have to scope out when it's appropriate to share that with people. But then when you do, some people are really, really excited because they've actually got someone to share that with. Yeah. And also you didn't want to draw attention to the area or to the animals, presumably. No, you really don't. I don't trust a lot of people around here. There's a lot of people that go out with guns. I don't want that. Well, it's intriguing that three different times, three encounters and potentially three different animals. Yeah, they're clearly all breeding. There's clearly quite a lot out there. Yeah. Has your mother had another sighting? Has she had a different one from you? She walks the dogs quite late at night. Yeah. And uh, like I said earlier, we, we used to have horses up at a farm and there have been quite a few times when you'll go out for a walk and our springers which are usually like all over the place they'll be running all over the field coming back to you going in a hedgerow and all that will just be stuck to your ankles the entire time and that's really telling because 
most of the things out in the countryside in Hertfordshire are things they want to chase. Even when they're big things, if it's like deer or whatever, they still want to chase them. So them kind of sticking really, really close to you and not wanting to move more than like a metre away from you tells me that they can smell something big that's a predator. Even though you can't hear it or see it. Yeah, exactly. And then we've also had evenings where we've gone up to feed the horses and the horses have been totally spooked. And these are like big Irish cobs. Nothing really spooks them. Okay. But something did. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so on to the bigger picture then, Laura. What do you feel about this bigger picture? What do you feel about the fact that there seem to be a number of these cats across the country possibly naturalising? I don't think they're doing anyone any harm. I certainly wouldn't want any measures put in place for them to be eradicated, which I'm sure if it were more of a publicised and known thing, some people would probably be really upset about that. So I think it's probably quite a good thing that a lot of people don't know about it or a lot of people are willfully ignorant. It doesn't really bother me. I can understand if you're a farmer and you've got livestock, it might be really frustrating if, you know, your sheep's going missing or whatever, but I think they're cool. I'm glad they're here. I hope they're okay. All very, very helpful. Thank you for uh, reliving it with us. And Hertfordshire really does seem less tame and suburban now doesn't it to to all of us i I think for our overseas listeners you know hertfordshire is the next county north of london it's not sort of place you'd expect big cat reports to be in but as we know these are very generalist animals very generalist cats and they can survive all over the place they don't just need deep wilderness even though they might prefer that at times is there anything else you want to say that we haven't covered that you'd like to mention on the topic um laura just that I guess these animals can probably cover a lot of ground in like a day. Mm. I'm pretty sure when I saw the third sighting that I had, I'm pretty sure maybe like two days later we saw in the newspaper that they'd been seen like 20 miles away, like on the same day that I saw it. Mm-hmm. So they can obviously move really far, really fast. If it was the same one. If it was the same one, yeah, either that or there's loads. <laughs> Yeah, if they need to, I think they will do, but I don't think they always need to move that. I think the territory can easily encompass that kind of scope, but um, whether they need to often do that in a day, in 24 hours, is another matter. Your um, your interest now, do you sort of follow it? Do you read about it, or do you just think, well, I've seen three, I might see another one, it's very interesting, but it's not a big deal in your life? Or is it a big deal in your life? quite mildly interested but I wouldn't say it's a big deal but I'm lucky enough that my mum's quite into it now so she does keep me updated so I'm very lucky in that regard I just let the information come to me (laughs) a bit about my son being my scout on social media for me saves a lot of time and agony (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly well Laura thanks ever so much for reliving all that for us I'm sure all our audience is very grateful to you for that so thanks ever so much for coming on Big Cat Conversations Uh, my absolute pleasure thank you for having me Okay, we've just discussed a photo which Laura took back in 2010, and I'm pleased to say that we've got it on the Big Cat Conversations website under episode 42. And if you're listening on schedule, it will be at the top of the references and links page. 
The picture is one of those middle distance blob photos, but I think it's a good blob. It certainly passes as a cat, and it's much larger than the domestic cat size toy in the reference photo taken by Laura with her mum at the same spot the next day. That scale exercise of the second photo indicates that the original cat in its sitting position is up to two and a half feet high to the top of its head. That is exactly the size of my Labrador in his sitting position, and he's a tall, long-legged lab. So thanks ever so much to Laura for her permission to use that picture and the helpful scaling photo alongside it. Now on to our word of the week, and it's a suggestion from our next guest, Leon. He offered the word exotic. That's a neat idea because it could relate to our big cats in a couple of different ways. There are several definitions of exotic, and here are two. First is strikingly, excitingly or mysteriously different or unusual. Or we have foreign, especially in an exciting way. Now, of course, we also have the term exotic pets, which could also apply to leopards, pumas and lynx, as that might be a big part of their origin, explaining why they are here wild in Britain now. As we know from the world over, Reptiles and primates and many other wilder animals, when kept as pets, can be under much stress and can cause their human owners stress, and they can get dumped and released as a result. Linked on our website under episode 42 is a good article from National Geographic on various issues arising from exotic pets. It's titled Wild Obsession, and it includes examples of larger cats in domestic situations and issues and problems they can create for owners, and that includes tigers, which of course TV's Netflix recently exposed to a huge TV global audience. To conclude on the word exotic, one of its frequent meanings is foreign, so it cannot really apply to the large cats living wild in Britain. They are here, and in the main, we hardly know it. So, are they demonstrating that we should no longer regard them as exotic? And they are certainly not foreign. Okay, now, in our second half, we return to exotic Hertfordshire. Our next guest is Leon, who is also based in Hertfordshire. We're going to get a bit of an overview from Leon because he runs the Facebook group for Big Cats in Hertfordshire, and I know it's a respected group, so kudos to Leon for that. So Leon, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Brick. Thanks for the invite. Great. Okay, Leon, the Facebook group is called, is it Mysterious Big Cats in Hertfordshire? Of Hertfordshire, yeah. Mysterious Big Cats of Hertfordshire. Okay. How long has it been going? I decided to do it a year and a half ago. It's got over 700 members and counties. Very good. What proportion do you think are within the county, are local people, and what proportion are people who are interested in the subject beyond Hertfordshire? Well, I generally set it up to be a local site because I was trying to find people like me who like to go out and have a look and put cameras out and stuff, you know, get involved with nature and wildlife as a whole. More eyes is better than just two. 60% 60% are local, I'd say. I'm trying to keep it local because that's where I get the sightings and information and we can share it and, you know, learn from each other and stuff. Excellent. Yeah, OK. Let's start with this overview, if we could. So if we look at 
map of sightings. I know you actually do put dots on maps. I think that's a nice thing to do, as well as use computer technology to actually physically put sticky dots or pins on a map. I just think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, I prefer the old school way. Just to look at it as well, you know, it's just it's nice. So looking at that map, what does it look like? Is it just measles everywhere, or are there clusters of sightings in particular bits of uh, Hertfordshire? It's a bit of both, really. There's sightings in and around Hertfordshire, and there's a few on the outskirts, but there are a few clusters within Hertfordshire. Okay, and if you were going to take somebody to a, a good place in Hertfordshire, you don't have to have the sort of actual parish, but you know, generally, what are the main places, say, in Hertfordshire you would want to start looking at? I'd say the clusters on the map, I'd point towards St Albans, Wheat Hampstead area, that kind of area of Hertfordshire. Okay. Any particular reason for that, do you think? Is there some kind of characteristics in the landscape? I'm, I'm still to discover that for myself. <laughs> so that's another thing to be studied, you know, the landscape and the deer population and other prey. What makes that such a good area? Yeah, well, I was saying just before we turned the microphones on, actually, that I had a, a report this week from East Finchley, an, an old report, but um, a, a podcast listener got in touch, and that's a very built-up area of North London. But if you look at that on the map, and of course it's just a bit south of Hertfordshire, yeah. but if you look at it on the map, that what I would say is, in trying to work out theoretically how a cat could be there, because it was a, a credible report, and... Well, is it the river corridor of the Lee Valley coming down as a sort of green corridor? Yeah, now you say that. There's There's been reports from up the top end of the corridor starts in Ware, and it leads down to Great Amwell, Stansted Abbots, Broxbourne, Cheshire, Wolfen Abbey, to Enfield, with East Barnet being just to the left of that on the map. Yeah. And there is a whole corridor that runs all the way down there of just lakes, rivers, and nice forests and woods plenty of prey i think big river corridors cutting through to urban areas and make, making a bit of a break in the development but also having all that as you say that that wildlife corridor is, is all maybe part of the picture and what about yeah. the proportions of the colors of the cats and types of the cats lee and what kind of proportions are you getting of the main candidate cats uh, i'd say 60 percent of a large black cat with a thick tail kind of the fit description of a you know a a muscly, powerful leopard, say. Yeah. 30% are brownish, sandy-coloured to cream-coloured cats with a thick tail, which to me resembles the puma. And then about 10% seem to be medium-sized brown cat with no tail or a short tail with tufty fur on its ears, which to me says lynx. So there's definitely three species in Hertfordshire, but how many is you know, a whole different question. Of course, yeah. But that proportion of the three main candidate cats is pretty similar, isn't it, to the national picture and year on year? Yeah, to every kind of area, yeah. I mean, there are other reports. I've had a report, it was probably about seven years ago now, of a pair of ocelots that were seen. I know they're not a big cat, but it's interesting. That was over in Welling. Were they sort of wild or did they look fresh releases? I'm not sure. They were seen twice down the same road and in, and a woman saw it in her friend's garden. They came across the field from the woods. They were small catch. She said they'd fit the description of an ocelot. Yes, in all the ones over the years to me, I've had two individual ocelot reports and people have used that very specifically mm -hmm. and looked up. One of the guys actually knew his cats because he was mm -hmm. Quentin Rose's father, the late Quentin Rose. 
who um, did a lot of good work on this subject until he unfortunately died in 2002. Yeah, so ocelots, I think, you know, they'd probably be exotic pets, wouldn't they? Very striking cats, and maybe they get out sometimes, and that would explain that. The nature of the sightings, is it just all kinds of people? It's generally people that are out and about, joggers, cyclists, horse riders, dog walkers, people on walks, and then you get the other kind of side is people driving home late or early from work or going out or coming home from somewhere and it coming across the car or them glimpsing it and the headlights kind of thing. So no, generally it's just everybody really, from policemen to builders to gardeners. Yeah, okay. You, Leon, am I right in saying you haven't seen a cat no, yourself? No, I haven't. I must have been about eight or nine. I, I, it's off the top of my head. It must have been Beast of Bobmin. Late 80s, early 90s, it was all over the telly. I think a cat jumped on a woman and knocked her out. Something along them lines. I'm sure it's the Beast of Bobwin in Cornwall. That's what grabbed my attention as an eight, nine-year-old. Yeah, there is that one. Yeah, that's that's right. Then when I was 15 in 1996, Beast of Brookman's Park decided to pop up in Hertfordshire. A Range Rover bumper was tuned up and um, side of the car was scratched. But, I mean, I have a newspaper cut in here. This is like London Zoo experts said it more likely to be a dog. But after this was in the papers, a black cat was seen in and around Potter's Bar and Brookman's Park for the next 18 months, give or take. Yeah, that was, what, 96. And then I sort of dip in and out of it over my lifetime. I think it was two years later, and I was 17, and the paper labelled it the M25 monster. <laughs> it's a bit drastic. But uh, it, this time it was seen by policemen and RSPCA officers in a, in a field in South Mims. It was a sandy-coloured cat, like I said, which down here is a, is a puma. And then um, I think it was 2001 or 2000, mm-hmm. there was a lynx that was caught in a garden in Cricklewood. Lara, they named her. She was taken to London Zoo, and then she was sent to Germany on a breeding programme. And she went on to, I think, three or four other zoos, and she did have a fair few litters of kittens. And she has been put down since then because of old age. but. They still stayed. I don't know if she was wild or she was an escapee, and they never found an owner. That's right. She was recovered in quite an urban area, wasn't she? And they didn't really know the background. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in birds and wildlife, you know, and looking at animal footprints, you know, deer, badger, fox, you know, in the woods. With lockdown and stuff, it's just the best way to get out, you know, and for your mental health and just enjoy where you live. Yeah, and, and Big Cats takes it to another level, doesn't it, if you can get on the trail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I take it from people who give me feedback about your Facebook group that they like your sense of discovery and sense of adventure about it that you share on the Facebook. It kind of runs itself. But, you know, I top it up with sightings of posts of me out in the woods investigating or on my walks or we've I've got a few trail cameras up now that I haven't had before. So that's kind of a new thing to me as well. You know, it's mainly deer and squirrels and badgers and things but it's nice to put them up it's nice to see other wildlife and also to see what else is around that could be possibly a meal for a big cat you know you've got to study the habitat and the landscape and pray but that's a whole another whole thing i've got to get into really so i'd love to love to have that feeling of you know that moment of magic but then there's a part of me that wishes it doesn't because then it won't be a mystery anymore if you know if you know what i mean but no, yeah, of course I'd love to see one, but you're very lucky if you do get to see a glimpse of one. It'd probably scare me if I saw one, you know, face-to-face with one for that split second. You don't know, do you? 
Looking at all the different reports you get and the encounters you hear about, could you select a couple that are really worth recounting because they're so vivid or interesting? They're all kind of similar. It runs in front of them and it's gone or it comes out of the bushes behind them and it just they just seem to vanish. One member, she thinks she hit a black cat on the road. It's run out, it bounced and leapt in front of her car and she slammed on the brakes and she, she hit it because she got out. She uh, Her car was really damaged and there was a bit of blood on the on the light bit and, and some black hair, but she looked around, but she couldn't see anything, but she, she swears down it. It was a big cat, and surely from that distance of breaking and slowly hitting it, you can see what you're going to hear. The other sort of trends I've got, which is quite interesting, is from 2000 to 2017, there was seven accounts in 17 years of more than one cat together. Some are quite vague, but there's some of a describe a puma and a cub, and then there's another couple that describe a black leopard and a cub. But, I mean, there's been none for the last four years. But this isn't every year since 2000 to 2017. It seems to be every three or four years. Two cats seen together, are they either the baby, the young stay with them for the, with the mother for at least 18 months. So they're either the cub and mother or a couple of them might be someone seen a breeding pair together. It needs more investigating. Of the ones you get, um, Leon, it's a tricky question and needs a diplomatic answer perhaps but do you feel some are less credible and if so what proportion i put down every one that i hear about or get told about just to, to see if there's a whether it's right or wrong to see if it follows in the next sightings in the future or the sightings from the past i still take it down as in you know i can never take it off it is or it's not but it's there to be with the rest of it if you know what i mean yeah I also think sometimes people get something wrong. If you actually are decent to them, they might come back in the future with some other information. You know, you didn't scoff at them, you didn't put them off. I made some posters up and um, to sort of get the members in of where I've been walking or where I've known, been known sightings in the past, just to see, you know, if anyone else has seen anything. And they work pretty well, but, you know, like I said, I didn't put my number on it or anything like that. I don't have an email address because... It takes up enough of my time as it is kind of thing. But I get a lot of people that private message me instead of putting it up on the site, which is fair enough. Some people don't like to talk, you know, and I don't post everything up on the group. Okay, and I was going to ask you about these posters. I know that a few people do these sort of do-it-yourself handmade posters to draw attention to the subject and sort of ask for information. What kind of feedback do you get on those? Lots of interest. Uh, just where I go walking around Hertfordshire or where there's been sightings. Because I'm not really a people's person, you know, I can't really go up to people and start chatting about the subject because that's just me. But putting these posters up, you know, you get a lot of local people that use the woods a lot mm-hmm. or have heard stories. And it's, yeah, it's been quite interesting with the feedback. I only put them out in the summer, really, because when it's raining and that and they sort of just fall off, I don't want to litter the countryside. I generally put them up spring to summer. When people are out walking, you know, late evening and the days are longer, people are out longer. I've been, say, where I put one up a week before and been there the week later that it's gone, whether there's general public taking it down because they don't want it littering or it's someone that doesn't want anything to do with it. But I've had no general person say to me, it's wrong. I had one member, it was a woman, she said she wanted to join because she's a keen jogger and she just wanted to learn a bit more about what could be following behind her on an evening jog. (laughs) 
it's opened a lot of people's eyes, I think, and lots of people are interested, you know. If you're not that interested, you wouldn't really join a site like that. Yeah. So you're not getting feedback that it's an irresponsible thing to do? Like I say, it's kind of an open book, my rough kind of posters. People are welcome to come and, you know, tell me off or whatever. But generally, it's if they didn't know about big cats in the UK or in Hertfordshire, they're generally interested and want to find out more. Yeah, it's not like you are trying to scare people and put people off dog walking or whatever. But I, th- I think that that is the issue. You understand the issue, don't you? Because I know that some people do feel that these kinds of posters could actually discourage people from the physical exercise they need and the mental health benefits they need. I do understand that side, but no, like I said, I've not had any any bad feedback at the moment. I think it points to the whole tricky nature of communicating. On your Facebook site, there's photos of a book that you're compiling. At the moment, it looks very much a sort of scrapbook, self-made book. I want it to be a kind of Hertfordshire scrapbook. It's, it's a bit from my scrapbooks I've collected over 20 years. A few newspaper cuttings, a few kills i've found and been sent of deer a few footprints a few you know a bit a bit of everything just just keep the mystery going really nothing too factual but make your own mind up kind of book this is what i've come across this is what people have seen a few sightings uh, accounts a few good stories and yeah basically you decide yeah it's a nice idea because I come from a generation when kids genuinely did have scrapbooks and I used to love doing them. And um, in a way, with modern computer animation and illustration, you could make an illustrated scrapbook quite an engaging thing, actually, on the web or physically. Have you got, what's your plans for it? It's really early stages. So many doors that can be opened, you know. It could be all of them if I wanted it to be, you know. That's nice. Because I think we're so used to sort of rather more clinical stuff yeah that's it's just a bit about me a bit about you know my local finding my views my ideas just to get people talking about the subject really yeah is it possible to gauge the attitudes of your average member of your facebook group my members i'd say 80 percent are positive there's no real negative there's just a few like non-believers who want hard evidence proof they're out there but then i could say proof they're not out there you get the odd idiot, you know, post a picture up and says, I took this at this place the other day. And it's like, well, it's winter here now. And you've got pictures of a cat with green leaves on the tree behind it. And, you know, I've got I've got a few handy members that can scan photographs and video footage to tell me if it's come from the Internet and things like that. Other than that, there's no problems on my site, really. You know, that's that's rewarding. You find, you know, you get taught a lot of things from different people and you teach a lot of people stuff just simple tracking skills or areas of where they live they didn't know about just to get out there and explore the wildlife corridors we're lucky to have running through Hertfordshire. In terms of the best evidence that you've had through the site through the Facebook page that somebody's given you the best I don't know plaster cast or print or tree scratch marks or half decent photo does something stand out that you say well you know this Facebook group has encouraged this thing to come forward there's been a few blurry photos and there's some good footprints sent to me, and a couple of deer carcasses. But without further being there on the spot, you can't really confirm anything. I want my site to be fun and factual, you know, interesting, fun for everyone. Try and find a few group of people like me, than me doing it on my own. 
have a few members with a few cameras and they just look after their own little patch. It's a wider scale then than just doing, you know, looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Five years' time, say, what would you like to have achieved through the Facebook group and what would you like to see happening in Hertfordshire? I guess another five years' worth of sightings dotted on my map. I'm trying to find the kind of area they seem to use or, or over the years have been seen in the same kind of place. So they obviously use the same territory. So basically, I'm trying to find a territory of a cat and then try and get the cameras out and study their behaviour, really. That could take years. Might not even be my lifetime, we see. <laughs> that is the challenge. And it seems remarkable that we can't even, when we're trying to understand their territories and their movements and thinking where the best places to look for evidence and put cameras up on, on those territories, you'd think the layup spots and the den sites would be key. But even those are tricky, aren't they? Because the cameras at layup spots and den sites would be terrific. Yeah, but it's hard. It's hard one. In terms of, say, since you've been studying the subject more purposefully in the last few years, what do you think you've learnt most or what's occurred to you most? What's the Facebook group and, and your study teaching you at the moment? There's more frequent sightings what I've seen in the last few years. I've been in and out of it. One of our kids and stuff and life in general gets in the way, but now I've got my cameras and my Facebook group up and running. You know, I, I'd say in the five years' time, I should have more sightings and there might be somewhere a better place to sort of say where they could be more than likely. Other than that, I, I'm just basically plucking woods out of the map and just putting my cameras there for a few weeks at a time and kind of just scouting about to see if I'm lucky to get anything on camera. It's a long, steady process and I don't have all the sightings. From hopefully from now on with my group I should get more sightings than I would have without it basically plotting dots on a map and, and kind of waiting at the moment yeah excellent thank you very much for completing the picture for Hertfordshire people who don't know Britain much or don't know southeast Britain much often they say how can there be big cats in such an overcrowded island and places like the southeast especially but actually a lot of Hertfordshire is sort of green belt and undeveloped and lots of open countryside. Quickly, you get out of out, outer London and you get very quickly into open farmed countryside, don't you? But looking at your map, there are quite a lot of those clusters or dots near to suburban areas, our edge of town situations and smaller towns, as well as the open countryside. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, that's, that's another question that needs to be ticked off and investigated in a way. You know, there's so many possible answers to that. Well, it could be simply that there's more people in those places. It's not about the activity of the cats. It's just about there's more people to, that could observe a cat, isn't there? I suppose in the open countryside, there aren't many people to see any cat. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I take it as. Just because this cat hasn't been seen for eight months, but then suddenly pops up, it doesn't mean, it just means someone hasn't seen it or someone hasn't said anything about seeing it, you know. There are so many people that don't want to talk about it, which is fair enough. There's a lot of people that want to protect the cats by not saying anything, you know, leave them alone. This has queued us up nicely for Epping Forest's next episode. So we'll be visiting, I mean, Epping Forest, well, it does actually creep into South Hertfordshire, doesn't it? Yeah, sounds interesting. Great. Well, Leon, I want to thank you very much indeed for having that overview. Thank you. And good luck with the Facebook site and your book. Thank you very much, Rick. Bye-bye. Before we close, just a couple of things to say. 
The first is just a quick reflection on the continued flow of big cat reports in the media at present. Is this to do with more actual cats being seen, or is it more to do with the media's appetite for big cat stories, making it a trending subject? The feedback I'm getting from journalists and reporters is that the subject is being taken up by the media partly as a distraction and contrast to the depressing vibes of the pandemic. Maybe that partly explains what's going on and why the subject is so popular at present. Also, perhaps reports can feed on each other, making witnesses of recent and of past encounters more confident in speaking up. We'll never know for sure, but my personal hunch is that there are no more actual big cat sightings than usual, but the media are hooked on the subject and on the case, and realise the stories get big hit rates, whether people believe them or not. Okay, for our next episode we are moving even closer to the fringes of Greater London, mainly focusing on sightings in Epping Forest. But we also have a guest who hit a black panther when driving near a junction on the M25 in Essex. So we'll hear direct from a driver who actually had a collision with a big cat. Meantime, thanks to those of you who have put some kind remarks on the Apple Podcast Review System. It's nice to have that feedback. Two of the comments say the podcast is a sleep aid. I'll take that as a positive, I think. But just be careful if you are listening when driving. Okay, time to sign off now. So thanks again to our guests Laura and to Leon, And thank you everyone for listening in. Please take care, stay positive and bye for now.